This is Amy Poehler. My new movie, Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2, is coming to theaters June 14th, and it's making me feel joy Woo! and sadness oh. and anger. Ah! Definitely some disgust. Rose! And I think a little fear. Ah! But I'm also feeling these new emotions like anxiety, embarrassment, envy, and ennui. Ah. It's what you call the boredom. Okay, that one was weird. It's going to be the feel-everything movie of the summer. Disney and Pixar's Inside Out 2. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. Only in theaters June 14. Get tickets now. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing. The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the White Lotus Pod here on Post Show Recaps. My name is Ariel, and I am joined by my co-host, Dr. Amanda Wave. Oh, come on. Wave like you mean it. Smile. Wave. It's Dr. Armanda here. I'm trying <laughs> I'm trying to create an overall impression of vagueness, Ariel. How am I doing? I you're so nondescript. I can barely see you. It's it's crazy. You're doing such a good job of being vague. Yeah, I just want to be a pleasant, interchangeable podcast host. <laughs> you won't even awful. notice me. I don't know which instance is worse. This are are using it now or or Armand's using it. Mm. Um, but let's not be vague about why we're here. Mm. We are here to discuss the White Lotus season one, episode one. If you haven't checked out the kickoff pod, which, you know, that's cool if you haven't, if you're human and you're doing other things. Uh, we discussed <laughs> if, you're an alien. Into, if you're an alien, we also got into what what yes. it would be like if you were an alien in the kickoff pod. So if that interests you, you should go listen to that. Mm -hmm. uh, but yeah, we, we did a kickoff pod just introducing the fact that we'd be covering the White Lotus and we're doing a season one rewatch here in anticipation of the vague October oh, premiere date of season two. Right? Love like, that overall impression of vagueness <laughs> from HBO about when season, season two, two is premiering. They're, they're really doing such a good it. job. Armand would be so proud of them. Meanwhile, I'm like, it's almost mid-september like when are we gonna get this date this yeah i'm trying to make a schedule people okay 
<laughs> I know we do these things on the fly, but come on. Uh, but yes, here we are now. So this is officially our journey. We're starting. We are on the boat. Uh, well, I guess one of us is on the boat. Maybe I was on the no. You were on the boat, and I was doing the waving. We're pat. We're pat. Our bags are packed. We're wearing our resort wear. <laughs> we got lots of breathable, flowy fabrics. Lots of yes. prints going on. But presentable. On. But presentable. Oh. It, it is a beach casual, but still very presentable. <laughs> still very presentable. Amazing. Amazing. Wait, I see. Is that is that mustard on your on your on your top? What is that? I can't I can't tell. <laughs> I didn't think you could see behind this tray that I was. Carrying. <laughs> you need was, to hold it higher. Hold it higher. My best. Oh, my gosh. We're being so. So silly here. Um, but mm. I want to say, Ariel, I am a little bit outraged because I'm looking around and I had taken the virtual tour of this podcast and I was promised a Josh Wiggler and I do not see any Josh Wiggler here. <laughs> I was like, wow, she's getting re she's getting ready to say something serious. But no, 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 no. It was still silly. Um, no, Josh is not here. Uh, he will he will be hiding somewhere around the resort and then pop up uh, further along in season one. Mm -hmm. But uh, we'll still be back with other guests throughout season one. I thought uh, we thought I don't you know, I'm no Armand. I don't do these things alone. We you and I thought that we yeah. we could uh, we could tackle this one by ourselves. See, see what we were capable of. Yeah, we you know, it's like we 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 want to make sure that all of the rooms are in order. We want to ready the resort before we have our guests. So I thought that this was great. We can do episode 101 arrivals, just Ariel and myself. And um, mm -hmm. and then we're going to have lots of fabulous guests join us along the way as we go through the season. But, um, you know, I have to say, Ariel, I'm so excited that we're doing this rewatch because I loved White Lotus when. I watched it back in um, July of 2021, and now that it now that I'm revisiting it, it's like it's really it's really holding up for me. Yeah, I I already talked about this that it was a late year uh, binge catch up for me at the end of 2021. But I agree with the last part. I really, you know, I remembered it fondly, and I remembered it being very well, uh, very well executed, super impressive. But I was like, oh, wow, this is uh, I'm more intrigued than I thought I would be, certainly for a rewatch. You know, sometimes you're doing a rewatch. You're like, yeah, I'm kind of just glossing over. Let's get to the good stuff. But from the get, this is pretty much fully formed. Uh, mm -hmm. Lots of great character moments right at the top. And it's been fun. I'm super excited, too. There are things that I'm, you know, storylines that I'm teasing out in my head as to where they're going. And I have very good ideas. And then there are other things that I genuinely just don't remember. So I'm super excited just selfishly as a, mm -hmm. as a watcher. Um, but speaking of, uh, speaking of spoilers, kind of, uh, I was vaguely speaking of spoilers just there. <laughs> good. We keep it vague. Very keep it openly vague. now for mm -hmm. a second, just so people are aware, we will be spoiling obviously the full episode that we are discussing in each podcast episode. But uh, for the most part, we won't be, and you will be warned if this changes, but for the most part, we're just going to be talking about the episodes, uh, the, the episode we're on, and then whatever episodes have come before. We're not really going to be teasing the end of the season yes. or any kind of uh, big picture finale moments or anything like that. Yeah, yeah. So this is going to be great for people who are, wa are watching along episode by episode. But for those of you who consume small chunks of an episode and then listen to the podcast intermittently, you might <laughs> be spoiled be careful, what's coming right. up. so for that type of podcast listener it could be mm -hmm. a problem but if you have watched wow. all of episode one 
arrivals. Um, you can you can listen and no and no other white lotus. You can go ahead and listen to the rest of this podcast without any fear. So okay, so you just introduced the idea of like we know micro wand offs are a mm. thing. Now micropods? Micropods. Like, oh, this episode is the first 15 minutes of season one, episode six of whatever. <laughs> that would be crazy. Do you think would people would listen to that? Well, I, think- I always have wondered because like, you know, there's the whole like I do feel like what you just did, Ariel, a lot of us podcast hope co-hosts do where they're like, Oh, I'm gonna spoil the end of the episode. And it's like, well, nobody is listening to like, oh, I'm just gonna listen to the beginning of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> I only watch the beginning of the episode. No, but it's hard. It's hard not to. It's hard not to want to warn people. And we're just so even when it's labeled. Yes. We're so considerate, even when it's labeled on the on the um description for the episode. Sometimes you're. This happens to me. Sometimes your finger slips, mm-hmm. and you you interrupt the episode you're actually listening to with a different different episode, and you're like, oh no, now I can't get in my pocket because I'm riding a bike. Uh, you know, that changed quickly, but these things, these things happen. We're complicated, but hopefully you have seen at least the first episode. It is safe for you to proceed here. And so we will proceed here, Ariel. How does that sound? Let's do it. My passport is ready. Um, so I thought a fun way to go through these episodes of, uh, the white Lotus would be to, um, sort of like focus on the, um, you know, the individual guests storylines, because this is one of those, um, sort of ensemble anthology series where we're following different, uh, characters and they sort of have points where their stories intersect. Um, and it's kind of interwoven within the episode, but I think for the sake of discussion, it might be easier to take them one at a time. But, um, in this episode arrivals appropriately, we're going to see all of our guests arrive at the white Lotus. And it really just follows through the very first day of all of these vacationers at the resort going from the time that they arrive to the very end of the day, um, which is a lobster bake, which brings them all together. And then people sort of retreat into their rooms. Mm hmm. Do you do you enjoy a, an LB, a, a lobster bake? I'm a, oh. I'm I do love the uh, the 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 conch conch show oh, that, like, yeah. uh, that he plays mm-hmm. in, in anticipation Welcome, of the yes. beginning of the ceremony or mm-hmm. really just the sort of like the like the triangle grubs on type of yes, yes. way more fancy and mm-hmm. nature oh yes. natural uh and but lobster i'm gonna say i guess we should just get started with the hot takes here okay i'm not a big lobster guy you're not a lobster guy wow i feel like it's a lot of work Mm-hmm. for not that much flavor i gotta say and then I, people want to dump it in the butter don't get me wrong i love a good butter bowl mm-hmm. but what are we doing here is how i feel sometimes i wish that all of my meals demanded as much of me as the lobster does i freaking love a lobster i like love the challenge of getting getting mm-hmm. like claw. i get i get the leg meat out ariel Ooh, okay, i like yes. I, I do find like a good flaw. Yes. I find the meat in the torso. Like I find meat that nobody has ever found in a lobster before. <laughs> like I, I work it. I love a lobster bake. <laughs> I imagine sitting next to you at the table and be like, "What? What are you doing over there? Where are you getting into?" No, it really is like the scene of a of a horror film when I eat a lobster. But um, mm-hmm. no, I love a lobster. I actually, Ariel, for like maybe the first time ever, I can't remember if I've done this before. I did boil a live lobster 
just wow. last week, just like within the past seven day period, I was have committed like lobster tears? homicide. No lobster homicide. Were there tears? Was there like mine or the lobster? There it screams? was either it way. Was upsetting. It was an upsetting experience. I'm upset and I wasn't even there. I like, will I'm say upset. I did freeze a lot. They, they tell you if you freeze it for eight to 10 minutes, like just put it in the freezer, it slows down its nervous system and the lobster does not feel pain. I hope you did at least 10 minutes. When you say eight to 10, I hope you did on the higher side of that. Like, okay, seven, You're like, all right, seven, five. Seven, five is all you get. <laughs> this poor lobster. Listen, I'm not, I'm not begrudging you eating. I just, um, I don't know that I could do it. Mm -hmm. I, I, I clearly I don't even, cause what would I do it for? So no, that I could complain like about wanting would... to eat the lobster. Uh, no, I mean, yeah, it's um, it's it's not for the faint of heart, and I and I definitely I have all the admiration for people who don't eat living things. Um, but I do, I do. Yeah. Welcome. <laughs> um, so uh, we're going, but we're going to start our episode of the White Lotus not at a lobster bake. That's where we're going to end our day. But um, we start um actually opening at the uh, we see. One of our characters who we're going to learn is Shane. Actually, at the end of his vacation, Ariel, it opens with um, the show sort of cutting to a week later. Mm -hmm. um, and he is sitting in the airport boarding area by himself at the end of the vacation. Yeah, I think in the in the in the biz, they call it a, a, a flash forward. That we have okay. gotten now, or really, I ostensibly maybe the whole series is a flashback. I don't know. You kind of depends how you want to pick your poison. It. It's six of one, pick your half poison. Of the other. Uh, and be careful with the poisons because there is a dead body here. We learn very quickly at the yes. beginning of this episode. Yeah. So we open with this mystery of, um, you know, and we're introduced to this idea by, you know, the character Shane is sitting here kind of looking anxious and upset. A, a very well-meaning but extremely nosy older couple is going to strike up a conversation with him and ask about, you know, where he stayed. And we find out that there was somebody was killed in the White Lotus Hotel. So the place where Shane stayed, somebody was killed. Um they're asking about the details of his vacation. He says it was his honeymoon, but there is no wife. So they're being more nosy. And Shane eventually kind of gets up and says, leave me the F alone. And uh, we see the ending of this scene with Shane looking off at the tarmac. And we see a box labeled human remains being loaded on a plane. It's not great. Um, I, You're immediately. Yeah, I had forgotten that this is essentially a murder mystery of sorts right. or at least one piece one big piece of the story is that and i think again we're not going to do any spoilers but i'm not even 100% sure that i remember precisely what the end of the mystery is oh, like i have i have my number one suspicion mm, that i will take note of privately yeah uh, but i was so excited i was like ooh i think i know but i'm not 100% sure that is exciting for you i'm excited for you i'm excited for our listeners who might not know the outcome of this murder mystery but um yeah so this is interesting the white lotus is a murder mystery um in 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 one very real sense and i saw mike uh, an interview with mike white about this where he said that you know he's he's done you know he's he's he create he you know he was the writer producer of enlightened he's like made he's he's had all this work but that that's been critically acclaimed but hasn't really um captured Mm -hmm. a wider audience and right, so like part of his motivation was like okay well if i open with this 
murder, then people will be kind of like interested in sticking around and finding out what happened. So we have this very ominous opening scene where we know that we're going to learn about a murder at the White Lotus. Um, Mm -hmm. And we also are very suspicious at this point that Shane was on his honeymoon and now is seemingly alone at the airport. Yeah, I think it's no... uh... Again, I can say this safely because I literally don't remember, but clearly it's it's trying to set up the possibility that mm-hmm. the person in the coffin could be his wife, certainly, because to your right. point, he's alone and um, he's he doesn't seem to be in a great mood. Uh, and, and the other thing I really wanted to talk about with this very quickly was this couple that he meets um, that you mentioned that's sitting across from him is being super, super nosy. They mention, I think it's important to kind like the show is trying to teach you in a way and, you know, shows in general do this, teach you how to watch them or teach you kind of like what Mm -hmm. to look out for or what the themes are from the get. And my favorite part of this interaction is they're talking about somebody was killed there. uh, And then they're like, well, anyway, how was your vacation otherwise? (laughs) Like, it's so ridiculous that they would even there there's just a level of um disconnect from reality a little bit or certainly from humanity if you want to say these people like okay that's crazy but how was your time like what is your your thing is more important than whatever happened to this poor person who may or may not have died yeah it's like it's like it's like the the frivolous vacation sensibility right Mm -hmm. it's like this is all for pleasure for hedonism we're escaping something in the real world and then like even in the face of something that's like a very immediate tragedy there's still this level of of just kind of um frivolity around it at least mm-hmm. in this conversation with this couple yeah. um so that is our opening scene which i think is a really gripping way to start the series and and as you mentioned ariel there's really two mysteries at this point um you know where is shane's new bride and who is the dead body and we don't at this point know whether those two mysteries might be related mm-hmm Absolutely. And I'm I'm nervous now to find out because, you know, it's it's scary. You, you start to like some of these people, some of these people we you will not like as some of the as much as some of the other people. I think even just in episode one, you can kind of tell. Uh, so it'll be it'll be interesting to to monitor my suspects for who might be in the coffin and then my like disappointment or fear or like elation and who are the possibilities i love that you don't even know ariel that's so much fun that's so much fun um so when we flash back now to the beginning of the week we're gonna have all the guests arriving by boat and this is the first time we're gonna see shane with his new bride rachel so ariel tell me what we think about shane and rachel the newlyweds here immediately she is caught off guard that um well i i mean we're still on the boat but by the, i think by the time for the, for the most part the people that are on the boat are like other characters that we will get mm-hmm. to who are kind of doing most of the talking but we do get a sense of very clear shots of all the of mm-hmm. all the uh, main main vip guests as we will learn that they are their vip um but when we meet when we hear uh his wife talk shane's wife talk uh it's very much her name is Rachel and she's completely caught off guard that the, uh, that Armand has referred to her as Mrs. Shane's last name. 
um she's like really i mean is that who i am i just i mean okay fine like it's it couldn't it's almost cartoonishly ridiculous her reaction like what that's crazy did i get married what it's been yeah. so long like, are you okay? Would have been my question. Yeah. Like, we're going to learn eventually that, you know, they have really known each other for like less than a year at this mm -hmm. point that they got married and that, um, you know, Shane is very decisive. He comes from a very wealthy, influential family. It seems like she got really swept up in something. And mm -hmm. then, you know, the wedding planning happened. And here she is now at, during this honeymoon seemingly like only beginning to really let the reality of what her new life may be sink in. So um, this is the impression that we get of Rachel as somebody who, um, you know, we're going to hear more about her background in a really entertaining scene later. Mm -hmm. um, but that, you know, she kind of got sucked into Shane's orbit and that one thing led to another. And now here she is at the swankiest hotel that she's ever been to in her life. Yeah. And she's, again, just from, from the little bit that we get from the top, she's not cool. You don't even get the sense that she's sure how she feels about any of it. And I think that much at least is clear. Um, when Shane and Rachel get to their room, um, it's a beautiful room. Everything seems great. They're going to start getting mm -hmm. romantic. But then all of a sudden, Ariel, something is not quite right. Yeah, there's a little bit of like uh, the potential for like an intimate moment to begin. And, you know, they're both yeah. feeling it. And then he's like, wait a minute. His horribleness alarm goes off. <laughs> and he's like, am I going to be an asshole? I think I'm gonna be. This is the right room. It's not the right room, Ariel. I did a virtual tour on the website. His and this mother, is his mother sent him a website link with a reservation and a virtual tour. And this room has no plunge pool. It has no private patio. And Rachel, to her credit, has like the most relatable i guess perhaps reaction which is what do you mean and the camera follows her out we have an entire huge living room like it is it is a suite but it is one of the sweetest suites that i have ever seen have and she agrees balconies. they have multiple she's like there's you. there's that balcony there's <laughs> that other balcony there's this pool it's like yeah this isn't maybe it's not the room but this is a nice room and can't we just enjoy each other yeah yeah and you know and like she says oh this is the swankiest hotel i've ever been to and he's like well you know you haven't traveled much like so the Ooh. i think that like in this relationship they're mm -hmm. injecting a lot of this like class um dynamic between the two of them with shane coming from much more money and influence compared to rachel and this is going to be um a source of tension um, that we'll see throughout. Um, he's, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's really unhappy about this room. He wants everything to be perfect. Um, so he's going to go talk to the guy, Ariel. 
Mm, just leave it alone. I don't know. Like immediately, I'm just grumbling. Like oh, this now. I'm so team Rachel here. Yeah, I think I I'm so team Rachel here. Like I'm the type of person who like I'll eat the wrong thing if it's served to me. Like I'll just be like I don't want to. I don't want to bother them. It's so funny you mention that because that is the kind of that is the thing that I thought that I thought of also, and I think yeah. it's it, it's the classic example that people tend to cite in this kinds of mm-hmm. in these kinds of situations. Like are are you the type of person who would send food back? Right. The real answer is it depends. Like if I if it's a completely wrong order, perhaps, or maybe it's like I'm allergic to this. But for the most part, it's like, ooh, I asked for the sauce on the side and I got yeah. it on top. And it's like, just eat the food. And also, also selfishly, there is an element of like, I don't want I don't want to upset the people who are serving me food. Certainly. Well, and yeah, then, yeah. And uh, but more importantly, I don't want to be a jerk to people and there's obviously ways of doing things and not being a jerk you can say whatever you want to people and not be a jerk about it not that he has that ability apparently but people in general do um and this is just this is just shane being shane and as 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 if we needed any more example of the kind of person that he is right before they walk out he's like hey can i get like a quick bj (laughs) it's so gross it's so like she's first of all she's obviously just really repulsed by him right now because she's like okay he's being a big because she's even going to mention in this interaction she's like well we're not even paying for this room your parents (laughs) are so like you know she's like let's just like forget about it and try to have fun and so she's she's kind of um already not that happy with him and then he's just gonna be like well can i get a bj first and she's just like no he's like yeah yeah you're right i'll save it for the right room <laughs> like oh yes thank you for doing me the favor shane of allowing me to not do something that i don't want to do this is this is disgusting this is truly it's disgusting. really gross it's really gross so um Yeah. I mean, I want to say, we'll talk about this more. It's like Shane is, it's not inherently a jerk move Mm -hmm. to say, oh, I paid for this room. I thought I was getting this room Mm -hmm. and we're in the wrong room. Like, Mm -hmm. and so, you know, you could say, well, you know, can we try to resolve this Mm -hmm. in some way? I feel like Shane is not inherently doing a jerk thing by mm-hmm. at least bringing this up and like and this is a this is a silly thing because they're two absolutely gorgeous suites that are nicer than any place I'll ever stay in my entire life so mm-hmm. in that extent it's silly but like sometimes it's like you know like I, I've seen this where I'm a little bit too passive about something and maybe my husband is like no we have to work this out because we signed up our son for this thing and they put him in the wrong thing. I'm like, okay, okay. Yeah. We should talk to the guy. But like, so sometimes you do need to be willing to be a little bit confrontational and there are pleasant and respectful ways to be confrontational that are productive, but Shane is not going to do any of that. No. And it's the same. It's the classic, like being uh, assertive versus being Mm -hmm. aggressive or being arrogant. And um, I mean, speaking of aggressions, like his little like, well, you never stayed in this, uh, you know, you don't travel a lot. His like sexist microaggressions. Right. It's like, I, I mean, I guess that one was not inherently sexist, but he's he's just being a jerk in general. And it's so he's so casually 
almost cruel in that way in that instance so to your point it's not that he wants to make a big deal out of it it's as usual the way he's going about it and and the damage that he's causing to her simply by this could have been a very simple conversation of i i think i should go to the desk sweetheart whatever yeah you know i i just want to have this conversation for my peace of mind and she would have been like okay cool but instead he, he manages to insult her more than once be gross and then finally be like okay fine i'll go Yeah, it's just very entitled. It's very rude. And I think that that's really what is problematic about it. Um, Mm -hmm. So Shane and Rachel are going to go to the front desk together to tell Armand, who uh, we'll talk about more later in the podcast, who is the manager of the resort, um, Mm -hmm. exactly what the issue is. Um, he's going to say, okay, this is, we have the wrong room or so I took a virtual tour. It has a plunge pool. Um, and then, you know, Armand's going to recognize, okay, you're talking about the pineapple suite. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, the pineapple suite is unavailable. There's a German couple staying there. Um, Shane's going to say he's going to call his mother. <laughs> I mean, wow. Uh, I mean, first of all, I just, I love Armand being i don't even know what to call it here being himself certainly when he's like well we don't have a honeymoon suite so i'm not really sure what you're talking about like he's being so particular Mm -hmm. and he's being difficult in a way that isn't helpful to the situation um and then it's like, oh, you're talking about the pineapple suite. Yes, right. That's what it's called. Like, come on. The, the guests aren't going to know the difference. Yeah. He, like, so Armand has a little bit of an edge to him in this interaction that is like going to just end up being oil and water for Shane. Like this is like this is making like this. So Shane was already ready to be a huge entitled jerk about this. And then the fact that he doesn't like immediately get the validation that he wants from Armand is just going to cause him to double down. Yeah, I think to your point, I think the oil and water now or oil and water. But yes, no oil and water uh, analogy. I once did a science experiment of like oil, water oh. and molasses. Yeah. Like, what happened? Like second or third grade. They all stayed separated, uh, except Amazing. the oil, the water and the molasses started to like, uh, you know, come together because I didn't. And then afterwards, I was like, why did they tell me that was a good idea? But unlike the molasses, Armand and Shane are not going to be able to isn't that a tropical drink isn't that like how a bay breeze works like when you have like a molasses breeze yeah (laughs) it sounds vile and disgusting no but uh yeah they don't it's like they're trying to you can see it even just here in this initial interaction to my point about the well that's not what it's called you have to use the right name like they both just want to be right it's more about being right in the moment as opposed to trying to communicate honestly and uh helpfully so that we can just resolve the issue and instead it's like oh but are you are you sure you're talking about this because i think you're talking about this other thing else and then my voice gonna get really high it's uh and it's, it's all like it. thinly masked behind this veneer of being extremely polite and, mm-hmm. you know, keeping everything um, in this sort of uh, false civility. Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's like, you know, we talked about how in our kickoff pod, how this show is going to deal a lot more with the relationship between the people in the service industry here and the patrons of the service industry in the context of an extremely expensive resort that only very wealthy people can afford to stay in. And I think the chain is kind of the character that embodies that 
entitled privilege that really sort of just looks down and like refuses to acknowledge the humanity of mm -hmm. the people who are there to, you know, serve him um, mm -hmm. in this capacity. So, uh, you know, this is, you know, we already talked about how the relationship between Shane and Rachel is, 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 is kind of steer into these class themes and this mm -hmm. relationship here that Shane has with our, this conflict that Shane has with Armand about the room, I think is, mm -hmm. um, is, is evoking what we talked about with that kind of like upstairs downstairs quality of like, okay, these people have to interact. Um, but, you know, given that um, there is such this power dynamic between them mm -hmm. and like, it, it, it's, it's like, it's the things that are sort of icky about the service industry. Yeah. And the things to your point, the, the things that are unsaid or the things that are the subtext of what they're saying being like so much more, uh, important and certainly rich for us as viewers to watch and feel deeply uncomfortable about. Mm -hmm. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on chumbacasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at chumbacasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's chumbacasino.com and live the chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby. Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. <laughs> The Chumba Life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. we prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Um... So, you know, later that night, eventually, uh, we're going to see, you know, Shane and Rachel are going to have dinner at the Lobster Bake. Shane is going to bring up the room again to Armand. Um, Rachel is kind of growing increasingly annoyed with Shane. It's like basically all of the fun that they could be having on their honeymoon is just being sucked up with Shane being a spoiled brat about not having the nicest room in the whole hotel. Yeah, just the mom. And I think the mom thing certainly is is pushing it over the top. Like he might as well be stomping his foot down like I'm not getting my way. Mm -hmm. uh, and he's like, literally, I'm going to call my mom. And that's just not it's not attractive, frankly. I, I mean, I think that's right. I think that's a safe thing to say. It's yeah. not if I were if I were with someone and they were acting this way, it doesn't make me want to you know, be vulnerable with you 
whether emotionally or physically. And it's just, it's a big, it's a big, uh, it's a big turnoff for sure. Right. And like, and to that point, like at the very final scene of this episode, we're going to see Shane and Rachel back in their room. It's not the right room. It's the palm. They're supposed to be in the pineapple room. Pineapple. But um, Rachel is like, really, like, I think she's trying to kind of convince herself that she's not as unhappy as she's already discovered that she is in her one day of marriage. And she's like going to, you know, come out of the bathroom wearing her, you know, honeymoon lingerie and, you know, crawl into the bed and smile and say, you know, we're married. We're on our honeymoon. Mm -hmm. I'm happy. I just hope we don't become one of those old depressing couples with all this baggage and resentment and regrets. I just hope it always stays this way. And this is so heartbreaking because even in just one episode of television with not that much dialogue, I think that you can't watch this episode and not feel terrible for Rachel. You're not just like, get away from this monster. (laughs) (laughs) I completely agree with you especially about the trying to convince herself portion because the way she's doubling down and saying, you know, I'm happy. Like, okay, is that that the, normally the kind of thing you have to tell yourself when you're happy? No, it's fine. Okay, no judgment. It's fine. We're all trying, right? <laughs> We're all trying to better ourselves and, and deal with our trauma. But, um, you know, it's – I she's speaking her worst fear out loud. And it's – she should be instead listening to what those fears and worries, why they are manifesting and the reasons why she is feeling this way and like paying attention to that. But she understandably has, you know, all the time later, she has put herself in a position. It's not easy to turn around and be like, I don't think I want to be with you you know, anymore. Yeah, I mean, it's be... been less than a day. They less... just, they yeah, just, like, spent, like they just had this huge wedding in front of everybody they know. I'm yeah. sure they spent a fortune on it. I'm sure his mom did. Yes. I'm sure parents. Did. But yeah, I mean, to that point, at the beginning of the episode, when we learned that it's like, yeah, we got married, you know, like a day ago, or I think it was a day and a half or something mm-hmm. like that. And I just thought about, wow, like the emotional told both good and bad that those kinds of events take and now you're here with this like it's so raw and it's just a whirlwind and I can't even imagine it for her to find herself here in these moments seemingly some of the first times that she has been able to say some of these things because you can't say that kind of thing like at a wedding or pre-wedding because all those things are very charged and you just want it to go out without a hitch and now that they're quote-unquote starting their real life even though they're in this like fantasy fairy tale honeymoon mm-hmm. place, she's finally in a position where she feels like she can speak about it. And, and in fairness to her, she's sharing with her partner what her fear is. And I think there is something healthy about that, but it's to your point, ultimately sad to watch her make what we all kind of think is probably the wrong decision. <laughs> right. Right. I mean, like, and I want to just give some props to both Jake Lacey and Alexandra Daddario for like this first mm-hmm. episode, because I really feel like we, you know, going back and watching this after having watched the whole series, I really feel like in episode one, you really get such strong points of view of these characters. Like the fact that Alexandra Daddario can sort of show in Rachel, that this is a woman who's like, you know, trying to have a good attitude, but has clearly kind of gotten wrapped up in something and is, um, you know, 
feeling doubt about her, her very new marriage. I feel like she communicates a lot of that, um, yeah. you know, with not a lot of dialogue, which I think is really great. And Jake great Lacey job. really does a good job of selling the fact that he's like the worst human on the face <laughs> of the planet. Right. Because it's believable. Like it's easy. It's easy for this kind of character to feel cartoonishly, uh, I mean, I, I want to use the word evil and certainly some of the things he does are evil, but just cartoonishly annoying and and mm. arrogant and judgy and conceited. And you're like, wow, I really this is a real person, even if I don't want to ever meet this person. Yeah. Uh, this is a real person that exists in the world. And yeah, no. That's the full credit to him for sure. And and Mike White's writing, I think, goes a really long way towards that too. Like just in like the little details that we like hear about these characters and like, you know, we're gonna hear Rachel telling um the Olivia and Paula at the pool later how they met. And it's just little details like where she went to school and how long they've mm -hmm. known each other. And it's like these characters feel like such real people that you almost wonder like I bet Mike White knows a guy that's just like this or like you know like it feels mm -hmm. it just yeah. it all feels it's very specific you know it, it's all very specific which I love I you know I, I I like to quote John Hodgman says you know specificity is the soul of narrative and I think it's absolutely yeah. right there's all of these little details and it's not overdone um but it does like I think really make these characters feel so so believable and a lot comes across um with with not a lot of of dialogue so i really feel like there's a great um economy in the writing here yes absolutely and speaking of characters let's continue on and uh meet our next get into yeah. our next person mr armand so armand as we've said is the manager of the white Lotus. And I think that um, this is a great episode for Armand because most of what he's doing throughout episode one is training a new hire that we're going to learn is named Lonnie. Um, and it's a really cool opportunity to have like through these uh, little scenes where he's training her and giving her um, you know, some background on his philosophy. I think that it allows the show a platform to really naturally get across a lot of the thesis statements of the show and what it means to be in the service industry. Um, so there's a lot of great nuggets here in Armand's dialogue. Um, He's training Lonnie, and we're going to first see this when they're welcoming the guests who come in by both the VIPs. And he tells her that, Self-disclosure is discouraged. You don't want to be too specific as a presence, as an identity. You want to be more generic. This, this is crazy. This is crazy. Like I understand on a on a on a logical level, I understand all of the words that he's saying. Like it's so ridiculous, but I kind of understand what he's getting at. But mm -hmm. what? 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 The goal is to create for the guests an overall impression of vagueness that can be very satisfying. Where they get <laughs> where they get everything they want, but they don't even know what they want or where they are or what day it is or who we are or what the fuck is going on. <laughs> Is Armand talking about himself? 
I love this. I mean, and this show is like, is a comedy and it's like, it had it, like, it tackles challenging themes and it has like moments of drama, but it's so funny. This is <laughs> one of the opening scenes and I laugh out loud. Like the way it starts out funny and it even escalates to like, they don't know who they are or what day it is <laughs> or what is going on. Um, it's incredible and this is this is uh again towards the beginning of the episode so it's such a welcome hilarious somewhat unexpected turn because i think you know we're used to seeing to your to something you've said before about the upstairs downstairs of it all you know we're used to seeing the the inner lives of of these you know downstairs people quote unquote Mm -hmm. but it's I've never seen it like quite like this. It's just like so over the top, but also in a way brutally honest. Um, right. In a way that I don't think is necessarily correct or good, but it feels honest and real and kind of to what you said before, like these are real people. So it's just, it's beyond hysterical. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and this is, I think like, this is really, you know, the show is going to, you know, deal in the relationship that we have with the service industry and in a place like Hawaii or one of these tourist destinations and especially a place that has a you know colonial past and, col- and neo-colonial presence and all of that um mm-hmm. you know it's it's this other layer of complexity where it's not just me the patron's relationship with the server it's also my culture mm-hmm. and relationship with the culture of this place and the history that has allowed that to happen. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, and I think that Mike White is very, very much dealing directly with that in, in the White Lotus. And we see it from the very first episode. And the fact that Armand is like very much our avatar of the service industry, but is also clearly, um, you know, white and English and not from, um, you know, not, he's not native Hawaiian. Um, mm-hmm. I think that that adds another layer because we're going to see that the person that he's training, uh, Lonnie here is a native Hawaiian. And we're going to see the way that, um, you know, that cultural appropriation and mm-hmm. how it affects the economy and the lifestyle of the island, you know, more in this very episode and then later on in the series. Mm-hmm. No, I think it's it's super important. I'm glad it's here from the beginning. And it's just another layer of this already complicated story. Like, I just love how in some ways, it's such a simple story. But it's also so dense. And there's so many layers to it and so many character motivations. And the most important part is, you don't feel like any of them are supposed to feel more important than others Mm -hmm. like no one character's experience feels you know in the the way that they they spell it out in this episode and a different character was like you know we're all we all think we're going to be the hero of our own story Mm -hmm. in this as far as the show all these people's stories are important certainly obviously important to themselves but important to us and we feel the weight of all of them equally and I think right. that's, that, that speaks to the quality for sure. Right. Um, unfortunately, Lonnie is not doing a good enough job being generic <laughs> because she has a stain on her shirt. 
that's very specific. Too a stain specific, is way honey. too specific. It's way too specific a color. It's not gray. It's just it's, you need more vague. Yeah, yeah. So Lonnie, Lonnie's off to a uh, an inauspicious start here on her <laughs> first day at the White Lotus. Um, when she goes later to change her shirt in the employee locker room, um, we're going to learn um, she has a phone call with her husband and she is apparently very, very, very pregnant and having early signs of labor. Um, even though her husband's going to encourage her to come home, she can't come home because it's her first day. Nobody even knows she's pregnant and her shift is four more hours. This is heartbreaking and i think there is an element to it of um trying to look at it through a comedic lens Mm -hmm. but there is absolutely the show calling attention to how ridiculous and how evil essentially this dynamic is because it put her in the position where she feels like she has to lie about and she can't reveal it and like what kind of job what kind of industry do you want to be in where you lit one of the most taxing traumatic yet natural things that that uh, a person's body can go through yeah. some some members of our population can go through um she can't even share because she's scared about money which is such a relatable thing like yeah. of course she's scared about money and she obviously needs the job and she doesn't want to wreck it and also she's she's met armand and he doesn't seem like the kind of person who's going to be like Okay, cool. It's fine. He's not very understanding. Um, yeah, like, and this is this some this is something that is 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 very real in um you know for newly employed people who can become pregnant in general and especially in um in working class jobs and the service industry in particular where there are very very few protections for people um to have uh you know job security during pregnancy or labor or early childcare. So like, this is really a risk that I think a lot of people can relate to if they try to find work when they're pregnant, or if they try to keep work while they're pregnant, a lot of people are in positions where they can't share that. And especially like sometimes the timing is you just need a job and you're late in a pregnancy. And so um, what Lonnie is going through, like you said, like there's something that is feels ridiculous about this person going through a whole shift while she's going through labor and trying to conceal this from everybody around her. But like, this is something that is, uh, you know, tragically a reality, uh, on, in, um, in this is in our, you know, capitalist system. That's post show recaps, drinking game drink. Cause you said capitalism, <laughs> um, but, um, but it's a particularly true in the service industry and where there are, and in a economy like, uh, like Hawaii, where mm-hmm. all, most of the economy is around tourism, you can imagine that there's not a lot of options for somebody like Lonnie. So this is really tragic. And Lonnie's labor sort of sets up this dynamic throughout this episode, which is so gripping, where this tension is building as we see her become more uncomfortable. The music, we mentioned the score and the kickoff pod, which is excellent, really sort of builds tension. And this like kind of becomes this rhythm where we sense, okay, something's going to happen. Something's going to happen. Is Lonnie going to go into labor? Is she going to have the baby? What's going to, you know, how is that going to resolve? Yeah, and by the time, uh, you know, we 
by the time her her water breaks like literally in in the middle of the lobby like i love the image of this quote-unquote pristine lobby and you know this this institution of the white lotus her very natural some would you know somebody like armand would be like dirty but like this (laughs) nature essentially like raining onto this pristine thing and ruining like his precious floor but it's it, it's such a great image that you know yeah. is, is is can be like uncomfortable but it's also very striking and very intentional in my opinion yeah because he's already like kind of regarding her humanity with disgust like the way he's like oh like you have like something on your shirt are you a messy eater like do you have indigestion maybe you shouldn't eat tuna like he's like very much like already feeling like her you know the fact that she is like a human with a human body is like something that is like (laughs) it's too specific it's not like pleasantly vague enough like for to to fulfill Armand's ethos of what um the tropical kabuki of the white lotus is supposed (laughs) to be it's a Japanese idea Dr. Amanda Um, and that's like the other the other detail about this storyline is basically Armand is completely oblivious to the fact that he's spending all day with Lonnie and she's suffering through labor, like kind of with him being completely oblivious to it. It's so ridiculous. And he has he has in some ways like I think the part that isn't relatable is that he has spent all this time with her and you know, not really been aware of her. I mean, maybe relatable for some people, but um, I want to believe not relatable for me. Uh, and then at the end, when he finds out, it's like, wait, what do you mean? She's right. Like that very. He's like, wait, you, he's like, you can't have a baby on your first day. And she's just like, <laughs> I, it's coming. She's coming early. I didn't mean to. Yeah, it's he's, you know, and to his credit, I guess, question mark, he at least takes the situation seriously, although arguably by the look on his face, he just is worried about something going wrong and him getting blamed for it more so than, oh, my God, this poor woman, let's make sure that she is safe and getting the care that she needs. Yeah. The other people are on it. He's like, where's the doctor? Where's the doctor? And the woman who is holding Lonnie's is like, the doctor is on their way you are sucking right now you're not doing anything helpful (laughs) um yeah so i mean this builds to the tension that we said at like the lobster bake at the end of the episode where armand is like first like kind of circulating the 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 dining area and Mm -hmm. everybody is kind of saying you know i need this i need this and like all of a sudden you know dylan who's gonna um who's another one of the hotel staff's gonna come and be like lonnie's having a baby um and we're gonna see the 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 kind of um the final scene in Armand's office um, where she is really in full on labor. Mm-hmm. And I think it's really funny. You know, we already talked about the the water breaking, but while Armand is talking to Lonnie right before that happens, he's talking about, again, he's, he's uh, waxing philosophic almost about the, you know, his way of running the hotel and he thinks he's so wise, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, this is after Shane and Rachel have left when they have their little, well, we didn't book you in the wrong room and there must be some kind of mistake. I hope that's okay. And then it's fine for now. Uh, He's like, when situations like this come up, just stay positive, remind them of the things they already possess, unique room. You have to treat these people like sensitive children. They always think it's about the money, but it's not. 
they just want to be seen, which I think that's a huge quote that I think mm-hmm. we'll come back to. They just want to be seen. They want to be the only child, the special chosen baby child of the hotel. <laughs> no, I love this. The woman I, next to him is pregnant. He's like having a baby. They want to be the spe- I want to be the special chosen baby child of the podcast. Mm-hmm. You are. You are. Dr. Matt. You never, <laughs> never, ever doubt that. And were there mean mommies denying them the pineapple room? <laughs> yes. And it's so funny because he doesn't even know. Oh, well, he does know because Shane mentioned the mom. But like, it's so funny that he he just knows like that dynamic to Armand's credit. He has dealt with so many Shanes, right? And it's almost, it makes sense that he has grown jaded because of those interactions. Not to say that he is correct to act the way he acts, but at least there there is an emotional logic to why he would have turned out this way in the way he deals with people. Cause he's in his mind, he's seen it all before and people aren't special. People are just, they just want they're, to be seen. They're just special little baby child. <laughs> little baby, baby children. Child. And then when he's confronted with an actual baby child, he's like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> um, so let's move on to the Mosbacher family. Um, so this is a vacationing family, Ariel. We have Nicole and Mark, who mm-hmm. are the parents of two children we have olivia who is a college sophomore who's brought her friend paula on vacation and then we have quinn who we imagine is like maybe 16 17 in high school the the younger brother um they're going on a family vacation to hawaii we're going to learn that nicole is a fabulously successful cfo of a tech company and that, you know, Mark is maybe a her less distinguished um, husband, but he's very concerned on this trip, Ariel, because um, he has a uh, an interesting medical affliction. Yeah, this is uh, this is one of the points of the episode where, I, where my jaw dropped. I was like, oh, wow, uh, his 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 wife, I should, you know, uh Paula, who was played by Connie Britton. I'm saluting the queen, Mrs. Coach, <laughs> uh, from Friday Night Lights. Love her and everything. And he he uh he exposes himself to her in a very in a very like normal, intimate moment between two people. It's like, can you look at this thing that I can't quite see? But we didn't need HBO to show it to us. It's <laughs> my no, point in even the, bringing it up. No, as the uh, as a viewer in the audience, like you are all like it's like all of a sudden you have full, full male anatomy, like mm-hmm. full screen in your face. And I knew, mm-hmm. like, I'd see, I like watching this the second time. I was just, again, I was like, ah, like yeah. <laughs> it's a lot. That's yes, a, a lot. But yes, they're waiting for he's the reason he's showing her is because he's worried and he's waiting for now the results of some kind of examination that he has had. And he's worried, you know, like like any again, I love that. I love that because I think this is something that we'll keep coming back to. There are elements of what these people are feeling and doing that are so relatable and so normal mm-hmm. and such normal reactions to, to real situations and sometimes scary situations. But then it's the way that they go about proceeding after that that makes it like ridiculous and zany uh but or sometimes tragic 
But here he's he's very normally worried. Of, you know, you're waiting for the results. What's it going to be? Your brain goes to the worst case scenario place because you feel like if you're thinking about the worst case scenario, then the shock will be less when you do get the worst right. case scenario news. Right. And we're going to learn that, like, you know, Mark's very concerned that this could be cancer. Um, we're going to find out he's the same age he was when he lost his father to cancer. Quinn yeah. is the same age that he that that Mark was when he lost his father. So this is like bringing up a lot from his past. Um, and we learn a lot about their dynamic as a couple. Like Nicole is sort of relentlessly positive about all of this. She's like, Mark, whatever it is, you're going to be fine. People mm -hmm. get cancer. They deal with it. Yeah, like, <laughs> plus they're making breakthroughs every day it's like a non-stop parade of progress she said non-stop parade of progress i lost it i was like what is she even talking about but to your point she's very successful we learn later in the episode she's mm -hmm. uh the cfo i believe not the cf uh yes the cfo yeah. of of poof, of poof. yeah <laughs> i was gonna say mooch of poof and, you know, it's like, it seems like, uh, uh, what's her name? The ex-Mrs. Coldplay lady that started Goop. Oh, uh, Gwyneth these, Paltrow. You know, yes. Perhaps one of these like, an, like Gwyneth Paltrow analogs, right? Of like, she could be working for that kind of company. It, it, it kind of doesn't matter. But the point is that we know she's success, successful. We know that she is. She's a being, girl boss. She's a girl boss. <laughs> oh, God. She is. And, you know, ostensibly she's the she's the the breadwinner in the family, as we we will learn as as Quinn hilariously parrots at his father. Mm -hmm. And she's she's definitely the most she, she's a she's also a mom in what I see as some very positive ways. You know, she is she's she's worried about her kids she's like why are you putting your brother in the clot in the galley i love that she's quick to call it well it's a it's galley a, kitchen it's a galley kitchen and i'm like google what is galley kitchen <laughs> um and you know she's like you need to get out and and you know please keep this place a mess like the most relatable thing is can we try to keep this area this common, <laughs> this area? common area let's just like the clutter maybe we're all gonna be yeah this i mean this family is so so much fun i mean all the characters are great um i want to get back to olivia and paula maybe but we could spend a little bit more time with um Nicole and Mark and then Quinn because you know so we have Mark is like clearly so preoccupied with this he's still waiting the doctor is supposed to call I love this little detail of he's like the doctor's supposed to call tomorrow and Nicole's like well today is tomorrow and he's like no tomorrow's tomorrow and it's like and, and like she's actually right because she understands uh -huh. time zones a little bit yeah. but they have this like, they have this little kind of running dispute I told you today uh -huh. is tomorrow yeah yeah, um, yeah. But it's, um, her, it's her parade of progress. She's always she's always right about mm -hmm. the time zones. Um, but Mark just sort of wants to like stew in his own, um, you know, kind of self-pity. But Nicole's like, well, if you're really worried about not having time with your son, then go rescue him from lying on a cot in a hallway and pay attention to him. Go out and enjoy yeah. our vacation. She's solving problems, you know, per perhaps she could be a little bit more sensitive to what Mark is feeling, mm -hmm. but she's like, well, if that's honestly how you feel, then go do something about it, which yeah. isn't bad, which is not bad advice. 
Mm -hmm. um, so Mark is going to try to do that. He's going to try to connect with his son and um, they're going to find out in this hilarious scene where they talk to Armand and find out that there's nothing that they can actually do at the hotel because like the swells are too high. And they okay, I'm sorry. This is absolute <laughs> BS from Armand, right? Like we have seen that he's kind of just, just let that we saw his whole spiel. Just let them think that blah, blah, blah. And they're special. And here he's like, wow, we just had a tornado go through. Like, okay. Okay, I already watched the resort. I know about the tornado and the hurricane. Mm, like this is not I... that. This like both. We can't do either of those things. And also, if the tornado already passed, then maybe we're good to go. I don't know. <laughs> but I had I, as soon as he said it the second time, I was like, "This is absolutely BS." Yeah, yeah. So the only thing that they can do is going snorkeling in the bay in the afternoon when apparently there's no fish. Um, and there's like just this hilarious scene where Quinn is like actually you know trying to get into it he's snorkeling and we just see all Mark can do is like look in his trunks and examine his balls <laughs> and and Quinn I I really do appreciate Quinn and we'll get into we'll get into the two mean girls momentarily mm -hmm. but I love that Quinn is just He's a sweet kid for the most part. Yeah. You know, he's he's a little bit disconnected and like he's playing video games, but he agree he doesn't grumble too hard when his father is like let's go out there and do stuff. He's kind of like, "Okay, I don't mind." You know, you don't get the sense that he minds spending time with his dad. And he has what I feel like is a pretty healthy relationship, but he can just be honest and he's like, "Dad, why do you keep looking in your trunk?" <laughs> like it's like, I'm not Whereas, looking at my dick. I'm looking at my ball. I could never. If I saw my father, I'd be like, nope. Like everything else in my life, I'm just going to go around it and pretend it never happened. Oh. <laughs> but to Quinn's credit, he's just, he he seemingly is as open to connecting with his father as his father is trying to. Yes. To he is a, he is a good, he is a good sport. And like being what we're thinking is like a 16, 17 year old boy. Like he's really the, what he's dealing with in this family without, you know, protesting so much about it is, is really quite impressive. Yeah. If anything, he's protecting himself. He's like, I'm going to play these video games because otherwise I'm going to be in the way. And then everyone's going to be yelling at me. And these yeah. mean girls will be more mean to me than they're already being. So Mark is going to try to connect with Quinn by remarking about how it's not easy to be a young man these days. And Quinn's going to say, why is it because we can't harass girls anymore? <laughs> Oh, no. I spoke too soon. I spoke too soon about Quinn. No, I think he's like teasing. <laughs> no, no, he's, he definitely he's is. Definitely he definitely is. But there's this definitely Mark is like representing this like mm -hmm. older imp like vision of 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 masculinity of maybe toxic sure. ma ma masculinity. Sure, toxic um, masculinity, and then now in your older age, as you start to quote unquote become more fragile, both physically mm -hmm. and emotionally the way that you have to now confront with the quote-unquote decline of right. your masculinity or whatever that means to you because right. it's all like imaginary in society but um it's 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 hilarious and he says he, to his credit he answers Quinn's question about that horrible comment about uh about women he's like no well, well yes. yeah yeah well yeah <laughs> but no that is not what I'm yeah, and and like and so Mark is like remarking about how the modern world is so emasculating unless you're a fireman or something. <laughs> to which I was kind of like, 
Yeah. And not the first part, but the second part. Yeah. yeah. And get get Quinn his PhD in psychology mm-hmm. because he wants to know if this is about mom making more money than him. And I say, <laughs> ding, ding, ding. <laughs> this is incredible. This is like the this is the ultimate uh example of mm-hmm. like when and, and i think it's more common with little kids like you know kids say the darndest things <gasps> and it's brutally honest yeah and he really is to his credit just re- genuinely thinking that this is it so he's trying to make it easier on his dad he's like oh is it because of this thing that like we don't talk about but we all know and like clearly it's you, the thing that you're feeling and he's like what no <laughs> And, um, and, you know, and Mark is going to say he's like, he's proud of, he's proud of Quinn. He just wants him to think of him and remember the time together in a positive way. And like, you can tell that for Mark, it's like, he's, he's looking at his mortality and imagining like the way that he felt about his father and what it meant for him to lose his father. And he just wants Quinn to be able to like, remember his father in a way that is that is flattering and that isn't like this like his worst fears which is that he's you know just this um you know hanging on husband um Mm -hmm. with extremely swollen testicles (laughs) allegedly Allegedly. um because she she, She hasn't seen seen him in a while (laughs) that was brutal she's like i don't know i haven't seen too honest uh but yeah the the mark stuff is is the mark stuff with with quinn is very sweet because it is coming from from a genuine place of just wanting to connect and unfortunately it's the mirror of this possible uh tragedy that may or may not be coming for him but it's you know nicole gave him great advice as i already said like go go spend time with your son yeah i think that the flaw in mark's approach is this is a little bit more about his emotional needs and a little bit less about quinn's emotional needs so i think in a a way that he doesn't even realize he doesn't realize that he's asking quinn to take care of him in (laughs) in a way that he that he's not really fully acknowledging um but let's move to the other part of the mosbacher party which is olivia and her friend Paula and you've already called them the mean girls and they are quintessential mean girls. They really are. You know, the they're they're not the very first character we meet because that is Shane, Shane. but they're the next pair of characters that we hear from as far as our main cast we meet them on the boat there's uh, on the boat that is bringing all these vips towards the island where the white lotus is and they're just playing that very fun question mark in parentheses game where you are making up stories about people you're like oh you know they're looking at who we will know is uh, Shane and his wife and they're like oh clearly they're making assumptions and playing a fun game uh you know of of who these people can be and the kinds of lives that they lead. Yeah, they're like hot Stadler and Waldorf of the of the cast. Yes, they're way 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 younger. Yeah. And 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 me see meaner in a less clever way. Uh-huh. Like mean uh-huh. just to the, at least like at least our 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 dearly our our dearly beloved uh uh, Walder and, and, and Stadler and Walder. Stadler and Walder. I'm like I'm like Rosencrantz and Gilderster. That's what I kept saying in my head. It's yeah. like no, it's not that. Um, they're clever and hilarious, and these two are just 
kind of mean. I think I think they are kind of clever and hilarious too, though. I love the way they describe Tanya as she's an American Bridget Bardot, loves animals, hates Jews. Yes. Well, it's it's not that they're not funny. I agree with you. They are funny. It's just the mean spirited nature of it is is just not. It's it's not a it it's not quite vibing with with certainly with the rest of their family. I mean, we just talked about Quinn and and the dad and seemingly they're more genuine with each other. And this is not rooted in any kind of genuine emotion. Right, right. So so among, you know, so so we, we're going to find out that like Olivia and Paula are friends from college. They're sophomores um, mm-hmm. and 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 Olivia is bringing Paula along for this trip. We imagine that because what we know about Olivia's mom, Nicole, that like her family is the wealthier family. Mm-hmm. Um, and so there is this class dynamic. There's race dynamics there. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so she's so Paula's in this position where she's on this vacation and she's even going to say like, Nicole, I'm so grateful that you brought me here where she sort of has to be mm-hmm. very grateful um, yeah. to her hosts. Almost um, in the way, you know, where the dynamic, we keep talking about like the upstairs downstairs dynamic. And now mm-hmm. this is a little bit of like her Paula feeling like she's a little like she doesn't quite belong right like she's not quite as uh high on this imaginary social ladder that that uh society makes up for us and it's it's not great and of course nicole's like call me nicole (laughs) like don't call me mrs she's uh, cool mom she's cool mom yeah i'm not like Um, a regular mom i'm a cool mom um so Olivia and Paula's first first crime here is um, exiling Quinn to sleep in the windowless galley kitchen that barely fits a a cot. Um, mm-hmm. So they're and like you can see that you know they're both willing to be like manipulative. Um, Olivia's going to say like, "Well, we can't have like Quinn jerking off to Paula in her sleep," and she's like, "Nicole, I really don't want to wake up to that." <laughs> They just go like from zero to a hundred. Like that's as if that's the most normal thing that a person of his age would do. And, yeah, you know, I mean, you know it's, what? It's not right, right. I'm not saying that it doesn't happen. I'm just saying it's it's manipulative. Yeah, like you just said. Yeah, um, we're later gonna see Paula and Olivia poolside, where they're going to. You know, Rachel's going to try to strike up a friendly conversation with them and they're just going to like be extremely sort of judgmental Mm -hmm. and like asking her a lot of personal questions and Rachel's being friendly and sort of shares a lot about herself. And then when she asks, so where do you guys go to school? They just, they just don't answer at all. Um, Dismiss her. Even before Rachel says anything to them, she's walking she walks by them and they both kind of turn and turn to each other and laugh. Like they're they already, her. Yeah. They're, they're already like prejudging her. And, and they saw, you know, obviously they recognize her from the boat most likely, but again, this is just like, how do we make, let's make entertainment out of the world because right. we are better than everyone else. Um, yeah, the way that this scene ends is like Rachel's gonna kind of like get her revenge on the mean girls by like standing up and like seductively taking off her cover up and like doing, I want to say, like a fast times at Ridgemont High, like entering the water in her mm-hmm. bikini, like showing that she has like 
I think she was on the cast of Baywatch, Alexandra Daddario, the Baywatch movie that came yes, out. Yes, yes. The one that apparently ruined Zac Efron's body, according to a oh. new article where he oh. fell well, wow. you know, it's because those things aren't natural. Yeah. Um, but yeah, absolutely. I'd forgotten that she was in that movie <laughs> because I never saw it. I never and, saw that either. Uh yeah, she has she's gonna baywatch babe. She's in- gonna baywatch babe it, and yeah. there might as well be slow motion. Thankfully, there's not. Mm-hmm. And she's like, Okay, you're gonna laugh at me, but I am a uh full figured woman. I will yeah. put it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah and um sydney sweeney's olivia is just gonna be like oh shit <laughs> yeah yeah sydney sweeney who you know of course we know from being a somewhat being mean girl in high school. <laughs> well, well we know the act as far as her roles let's let's sidestep uh her real life for a second um and this, this it just kind of feels like a natural evolution of her euphoria character in a way mm. that i think does a little bit I, I think she's she's strong enough that it wouldn't have mattered but i think it's just extra emotional baggage almost that she brings to this that that helps you kind of from the get place her somewhere along this you know personality spectrum yeah i'm not a euphoria watcher but i think that sydney sweetie is so perfect in this role she really really nails it like i mean i like she makes me feel bad about myself and mm-hmm. she, like just watch it like the mean girl look about it mm-hmm. everything about it like i it's it's so triggering she really really nails that um mm-hmm. but I, I i love the idea that like rachel's so uncomfortable and defeated that she's just like i'm just gonna like show off my boobs now <laughs> yeah and it's sad like to the and 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 she's no better in that sense right mm-hmm. because she's even though she very genuinely was reaching out to these two girls we know that she was going through her her thing with shane of feeling frustrated feeling unsure of what she wanted and just kind of like wanting to have her own private moment by the pool she reaches out to these girls because she sees herself in them ostensibly Mm -hmm. right in a way and then to be kind of rejected because she's old uh or it's like or i think it's also the class dynamic there right it's like they're asking her like so they've Mm -hmm. sized up did you go to school because they because because when they when they're doing their little game of sizing everybody up on the boat they're like Mm -hmm. they met on raya like this exclusive app like that Mm -hmm. they, they, they got married in the hamptons where her parents have a place and then they're gonna learn that she's actually just kind of like a middle class a normie, normie that mm-hmm. is like married this rich guy and mm-hmm. like he can't hang with you know with them so it's like yeah. they're they're making her feel not good enough not um, good enough and, so and her she, revenge is to just do it back to them in a way that is just perpetuating what, the cycle what capital she has which is mm-hmm. sex appeal so it's yeah. like it's all this kind of gross transactional thing that that mm-hmm. we do as humans and i think it's that i and i just think that it's all um that it's that it's it's all very well done by mike white to just sort of show those different layers of insecurity that people have along these yeah. different lines in which our society has these social gradients Mm-hmm. you know yeah, who's hot to, who's rich who's, according to them yeah it's like well it sounds like you scored yeah he's super hot congrats yeah he's super hot congrats <laughs> hilarious hilarious um the morrisbacher story is also going to end at the lobster bake um 
at the their table at the end and we have mm-hmm. like one of the I mean that so this is really like the first time that we have all five of these characters like sitting together and having this like dinner conversation um mm-hmm. Olivia and Paula are talking about Hillary Clinton and I like mm-hmm. I love this conversation like this is really kind of representing the generational shift in you know how we think about politics with paula saying like she actually cared about the working poor she was a neoliberal war hawk and olivia says she was a neolib and a neocon and a neocon not both wow (laughs) cutting edge political analysis and then nicole is going to interrupt and ask if they're talking about hillary clinton she's like is that what they're teaching now to hate on hillary clinton Hillary Clinton is one of the most influential women of the past 30 years. And many women in my generation very much look up to Olivia Clinton. Olivia's like, mom, don't worry. Everyone loves Hillary Clinton. We all love Hillary Clinton. It's so good. It's like, relax, relax, relax. Because even, even we don't, her, we she don't all recognizes. I know, I know. <laughs> even her, she recognizes that there's. I want to say, like, obviously she's just saying this to her mom because she wants her mom to be quiet. But I think there's also, if you dig deeper, there's also this level of her recognizing that the that her conversation with Paula is just kind of vapid nonsense. Right. And for her to be like, it's fine, it's fine. Like, we're kind of just joking around. But that's kind of all they do. Right. And you almost wonder, though, like thinking about like if we sort of dig into the subtext a little bit of, you know, this relationship, like, you know, we know that Olivia comes from this very specific family where she probably grew. I mean, I grew up with a mother who like idolized Hillary Clinton and would Mm -hmm. talk about how like like she probably grew up getting this very specific point of view. And maybe she goes away to college and she meets different people who expose her to different ideas. Maybe Paula has a different background and a different point of view. And Olivia wants to impress people, you know, in that way. Um, But, you know, you wonder how deep it actually runs with her. When dollars come to donuts, I think Olivia likes her lifestyle that her parents, you know, that her mom's career affords her and that maybe she's not going to be as iconoclastic as, um, Mm -hmm. as she would suggest in like a kind of conversation with uh, Paula, where she's kind of just saying what the kind of popular young person things are to say right now. Yeah. She was a neolib and a neocon. She's like, I take, I see your neolib and I raised you a neocon. And I raised you neocon. And I just made both of those words into abbreviations. So take that. (laughs) Uh, uh, You elitists at the top. Mm -hmm. Um, Later, we're going to have Olivia and um, Paula are going to be off away from the table sort of vaping in the corner and Olivia is going to notice that Paula is checking out one of the guys who works at the resort and he's sort of looking back um, at her so she's just sort of taking note of this dynamic yeah it's a fascinating page to turn on to for the for the Olivia Paula dynamic because mm-hmm. there's immediately this this weird energy that is coming from Olivia. It's not, I think we have, there have been so many examples, I mean, in real life, obviously, but there are so many examples in this, in a kind of uh, college or high school girl dynamic where it's like, oh my God, that guy, you know, like let's share in this thing together. Mm -hmm. But here it's like, 
Olivia's immediately, we're not sure what, but there seems to be some negative emotion, whether it's worry, whether it's jealousy, jealous, you know, something like, is she feeling left out because Paula is checking out this guy? Uh, because then later when Olivia outright asks her in a way that again, betrays Olivia's discomfort with it at all, mm -hmm. Paula lies. And more ridiculously, and I think very accurate to that age, pretends like she doesn't even know what she's talking about. Like, oh, I didn't, yeah. I didn't like notice a guy. Oh, know? a guy? What guy? I don't know. I've never yeah. seen a man. I've never seen a man. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. So that's something that we're going to be left with, this dynamic brewing. And the other thing that we're going to be left with is Mark gets a call from the doctor, the receptionist. And then Nicole's like, see, I told you today was tomorrow. Um <laughs> In the in like one of the sweeter versions of "I've told you so," I will say that to her yeah. credit, where she's not like you dumb idiot, horrible idiot. This is like, eh, well, I yeah. was right about that. <laughs> and the doctor, it's a receptionist who wants the who's calling from the doctor's office. The doctor wants to talk to you. Oh wait, wait, wait! I'm sorry, he stepped out. I'm gonna have to put you. <laughs> Please on hold. Call. I'm gonna put him right on. Da, 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 da. music 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 oh i'm oh, sorry <laughs> i just lost him oh <laughs> what so what? we i'm on vacation i need to know this news it's really late here now he's gonna pretend like he knows like that it's really you know now he understands time now he's now like, now, really now we get time zones mark yeah so uh -huh. so we're gonna leave on this cliffhanger of mark has you know we know that the doctor office is gonna call but we don't have the results left mark is sitting with this we as the audience are sitting with this and i love nicole ending. she's like it's gonna be okay good things happen to good people I like on the one hand, I hate it, but on the other hand, she's it seems really genuine. Like, I have it's it's one of those, it's again, I call I it toxic we'll keep, positivity. Toxic positivity, yes, absolutely. And I think there's the show is 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 rife with it, like this mm -hmm. us being conflicted about the quote unquote right and wrong ways in which these people are acting, or just the relatable or unbelievable ways that these people are acting. And here it's like, oh, yeah, she is trying to. But like, she's still not quite being 100 percent sensitive to his emotions, right. but she's doing what she thinks is the right thing, uh, which, as we all know, or we should know, isn't always the right thing. Right. Right. So that's where we end with the Mosbachers. And in some ways, Ariel, we have saved the best for last. It's pronounced lowest. <laughs> it's it's what it's it's two sil it's one syllable well it's two <laughs> syllables but the second part is one syllable it's tanya mcquad mcquad like, i love when she says wad wad <laughs> she's like i don't know she's like i don't even know <laughs> long Long live the queen. No disrespect to our dearly oh, departed. No, I really didn't mean that. I really didn't mean it like that. Genuine no disrespect to too our soon, dearly departed. Whatever. As my friend would say, too late. Yeah. Uh, to our dearly departed uh, Queen Elizabeth II. Speaking of themes of colonialism. But the queen. Yes, absolutely. The queen of our hearts on this side of the earth. 
It is Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge. Long I'm may she reign. Long may she reign. First of her name. Uh, this, <laughs> is, this is an incredible, incredible introduction to an incredible character. Like you're yeah. already like, what is happening? What is happening? So Tanya McQuad is a a single woman traveling by herself when she arrives by boat the first thing we know about her is she is desperate for a massage she's desperate she'll take anything anything but reiki of course (laughs) when she said anything but reiki of course i died (laughs) i absolutely died and it's just like first of all disrespect to reiki and second of all (laughs) it was very the the i the i need uh i need a massage was very reminiscent of her i need a i need a hot dog real bad (laughs) (laughs) so ariel are you a big massage person will you treat yourself to a massage I will treat myself to an ice cream, perhaps. Okay. I I have had, I think I think one or two massages, and I'm always worried about pain. Like I think mm. maybe I just didn't have the right person. Maybe I could have been more communicative, but it wasn't relaxing. I don't really. I know like some people have a, have that problem, very understandable. Like I don't want a stranger t- touching my body. Right. That, that makes sense. And maybe it's part of that, but really it's, it's more the part of that, that like, I can't trust the person to do the thing that I want, even if I speak it out oh, loud. You're I just, a control freak. I'm a little bit of a control freak. <laughs> and then I've had to my credit, at least I've tried it and mm-hmm. I didn't love it. And maybe it's the thing where I need to have it in the right place. Like, I don't love olives, but when I travel to oh. a place known for a food or something, whether I like it or not, I'm like, okay, I'm going to try it because this is the place. This mm-hmm. is the mecca of that And place. we know that you that you travel. Unlike Rachel, you travel extensively. I travel a lot. All right. I'm sorry. <laughs> Sometimes it's I – cross, I cross a river to get to work, so I do do a lot of traveling. Uh-huh, uh-huh. But, uh, yes, this, this is – She's she's just she's the best and and also kind of the worst as we <laughs> know her. yeah we're like we're going to so the first thing we know about Tanya is that she's desperate for a massage um, we're mm-hmm. also gonna in Tanya's story we're gonna focus a lot on this character Belinda who is the head mm-hmm. of the spa at the White Lotus mm-hmm. um, and um, you know she's going to have to the, the you know the unhappy task of informing Tanya that they're fully fully booked but um, you know of course Tanya is going to insist that they squeeze her in. The mm-hmm. second thing we learn about Tanya is when Lonnie escorts her to her room, mm-hmm. uh, Tanya is very concerned about the location of a small plastic bag that is extremely important. She starts to panic um, when they can't find it immediately because the bag has her mother's ashes in it. It's very sad, that mm-hmm. fact, and it's very concerning that she thinks that it has been lost. Although a one knock against Tanya is that she can't find any of her bags <laughs> and all of her bags are right next to her. So Lonnie, to her credit though, immediately goes into, okay, I'm, I'm going to help you mode yeah. because I know that I need to be vague, but helpful. So I will look, I will vaguely look behind this yes. pillow even though nothing could possibly fit behind this pillow that fits the description 
that Tanya just spoke. So it's yeah. this hilarious, like, let's look here. Oh, wait, it's not on that table because there's nothing on that table. So we can rule that table out. <laughs> like, it's this very, like, I'm trying to help you, but there's not she, much I can do. She energy. really is, like, she really is the only special baby child of the hotel. Like, Tanya <laughs> is the yeah. embodiment of Armand. Like, this woman is Absolutely. so helpless like when Armand mm -hmm. says that she doesn't know what she wants or where she is or what what's going on it's like yes. this is Tanya to a T she it's is like he read for that monologue he read the like uh uh beginning script notes for the Tanya character that you know are only in the margins for the actors yes um, yeah, she's, she's very, she, so she's, she's very lost on a very deep spiritual level. She mm -hmm. can't find her bag. She looks, she's on this spiritual journey, but she's knocking on Reiki left and right. Reiki. Yeah. So, you know, maybe, maybe pay some respect to that, to that energy and, and see where that gets you. But um, I digress. So Tanya's going to show up in the spa and um, Belinda is going to squeeze her in and she's going to say, think? did you find anything? <laughs> and, um, you know, Belinda says I can do a consultation and a cranial sacral. I, I, I don't know what that is. I, I mean, I know what the cranium is and the sacrum. Right, right, right. That's so, so something in those areas. Yes. Um, we learn what it is and it sounds like it's better than nothing. She's being Belinda's being very accommodating. Tanya wants to know, will I be fully naked? <laughs> what do you think the right answer to this question was, Ariel? Because because Belinda's going to say, oh, no, no, no. We'll put you in a bathroom robe. But I have a feeling that Tanya wants to be fully naked. Oh, I didn't even I didn't even put I mean, sure. It's funny. I think certainly she's afraid in the way that she's that Belinda perceives Tanya to be afraid yeah. of being fully naked we can gather that Tanya is clearly afraid of being any kind of naked, whether it's emotional oh, or physical. Okay. So okay. I think there's, there's possibly more to it than that. But mm -hmm. I think the right answer is, uh, no, if you don't want to be. <laughs> yeah. I like this, this robe to your comfort level, I think is yes. the way. <laughs> um, so um, we're going to see this, treatment happen ariel between this this extremely impactful moment between belinda and tanya um mm -hmm. do you have do you have any 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 thoughts any takes on this uh treatment that belinda administers i think that a couple of the phrases that she said were a little too long than when she asked tanya to repeat after her i think you know she's she has had a she has been speaking to tanya for long enough now that she's like you gotta you know you gotta keep it simple yes yeah. but um but my my immediate i mean jokes aside my immediate takeaway from this was just how genuinely compassionate belinda is to Tanya in these moments, in this moment, and in every moment before this, for sure, but certainly you really see it here. Um, and she, you know, Tanya shares with Belinda that her mother has passed and how tired she is. And we know, you know, tired, you know, being a, a manifestation of depression. Mm -hmm. And, you know, it all it all makes immediate sense to Belinda in a way that she's not like, oh, you're just dealing with so and so it's so understanding so sweet like I just I loved Belinda so much in this moment and I can't imagine 
the kind of people that Belinda has had to deal with, but at least yes. here she's dealing with someone who she feels like she can really help and is open to her and is very much in need of her help. Um, and uh, shares that she herself lost her mother not too long ago. I think it's been a year. A year. And a yeah. And so, um, and like this, you know, Earlier in the episode, we have Armand tell Lonnie that self-disclosure is discouraged. So Belinda is actually, mm -hmm. like, giving some of herself in this relationship. Like, this is the start of a relationship between these two characters in this mm -hmm. scene. And we can see that Tanya is so incredibly needy right like from yeah, the beginning she can't find the her bags that are right next to her the mm. first thing she says when she shows up at the hotel is i need this i need i need a yeah. massage well, and hello um, just this is what i need she is a walking manifestation of need right and she's going to say like she's going to say to belinda you know um I've scared every man away that I've ever been involved with because I just get so attached and they don't like that. I can't get and they don't like they that. don't like that. You know the men. Um, I can't get rid of this really empty feeling. I want someone to figure it out for me. Like she's just this embodiment of being lost and in need. And and Belinda is gonna in a very real way respond to that. Mm -hmm. And in responding to that, she's also sharing herself mm -hmm. with Tanya. And so this is the beginning of her meeting Tanya where Tanya needs to be, which involves her becoming vulnerable in her own way. Um, and Tanya just, she just loves it, Ariel. She loves, loves it. it. I love, I just want to call out, I want to like double down really quick on I want someone to figure it out for me. Not I want to figure this out yeah. and I want to know why I'm feeling this way. I want someone to figure it out for me. It is it is unthinkable to me. Um for I mean not unthinkable, but I, like I, I get it. Like I mean I, I, I don't I can't see some mm -hmm. I, I can't see my, I mean I spoke earlier about like trusting right and like sometimes I can't trust people I can't see myself trusting someone else to figure out why mm -hmm. I feel a certain way so it's it's an incredibly ridiculous yet deeply informative statement mm -hmm. that we get from her and way more honest than I think she thinks she is being in that moment yeah yeah. Um, and then there's just like some tremendous comic moments here and like fantastic work from Jennifer. I think I was trying to like get as much of the, the yeah, genuine like, emotion like out of it before we get to to me filling my own cup. So oh. <laughs> um the the sort of like call and response of like Belinda's gonna say, I'm gonna say something and you repeat it. And like I mean, the, you know, there's there's obviously funny dialogue here, like I am my own foul, like a mother and to like and she's gonna and she's gonna repeat it like a little bit skeptical and then i'm my own vaginal father she's like i'm my own vaginal father <laughs> yeah she says it with the question mark at the end it's so good like okay fine i can be my own phallic oh. mother but vaginal father you lost me you lost me and i also love as you had like indicated like when the phrases get a little longer time you just cannot keep up but she's like gets an a for effort like she's really mm -hmm. giving it her all mm -hmm. and then when belinda begins to just go into the chance tanya is going to repeat the chance that belinda's just like you don't you don't have to do this yeah. she's like i know but i like it <laughs> 
and we see her literally like butchering the language and you know to her credit she's literally just repeating what what belinda's saying speaking um uh it said it on the on the on the closed captioning mm-hmm. it's not sanskrit it's a different ancient okay. language mm-hmm. um but i can't remember it but we know that it's it's a chant and she and thankfully Tanya stops repeating, <laughs> repeating, and just lets Belinda finish her chant and lets us kind of leave that moment in that yeah. room with less on the fun. You know, we had our funny moment and that was a thing, but now we can actually just feel a little bit of like the profound emotion that is mm-hmm. implied in what she's doing and the and the head stroking that she is providing to Tanya while she is chanting. Right. And I think that this is like, this is a little bit of what Mike White get grappled with in Enlightenment. I think that this is like the most of that um, kind of storyline kind of getting sucked into here. Whereas like we're seeing, he's sort of regarding these, these rituals and this like kind of appropriation of other cultural traditions of healing as like being something that can provide a genuine spiritual experience for somebody, but also is like a little bit silly in the way that we kind of translate it and monetize it and, you know, turn it into a treatment that only wealthy white people can afford. But at the same time, Tanya (laughs) is like actually going to have some kind of breakthrough through this. And she's going to leave the spa feeling like better than she's ever felt in years. Yeah. And it's, it's, um, it's interesting that we leave when Tanya is leaving the spa and Belinda is on the phone. She has Belinda has kind of given her all she can give her in that moment. Like I think there's this level of um, she she can only give you so much, and I think it's it says something about Tanya now still needing more at least, you know, we've already, you and I have already talked about how needy Tanya is, but Belinda's on the phone doing her job, being a good worker and a Mm -hmm. good ambassador for the spa to other people that aren't Tanya. And Tanya kind of can't deal with that. And she, the way she gets her attention is by giving her money. Yeah. It's yeah. Like Tanya her is her not money. filling her own cup. She's like, $100 bills. Yeah. Yeah. So um, we're going to see Tanya, you know, she's leaving, she's going to leave this spa. She's going to the lobster bake. She's got Belinda on the mind. She's obsessed with Belinda. Belinda's a genius. She finds Armand at the at the dinner and tells him this was the best treatment of her life. She wants Belinda for a massage tomorrow. And at the very end of the episode, Tanya's back in her room. She's just kind of reading about Belinda, the staff directory. So this is the beginning of this obsession here. Yes. And I think it's imp- I think it's important to, you know, we already mentioned the money part of it because I think that's an important piece of it. And Belinda, I think, is used to people like Tanya in a sense of like, OK, I'm just going to throw money at this thing or in this case at, at this person. And mm-hmm. that's how I'm going to get their attention. Um, but I think I think it's safe to say that Belinda is is underestimating uh 
Tanya's uh, tenacity, perhaps. Tanya is a force. Tanya uh -huh. is a force. But um, that brings us to the end of this episode, the end of the first day at the White Lotus. And I have to say, like, I thought that the accommodations were were lovely, Ariel. I mean, I, I wish like we had more privacy though. Like we have the mm -hmm. view of the ocean, but like we could have like had the the other pool. I thought we, only we were gonna have a pools. plunge pool. Yeah, the plunge pool. Yeah. yeah, which I'm like that doesn't sound that doesn't sound very relaxing at all. The plunger. But pool. now that I know that somebody else has, but it, now that I know that the German it. couple has it, I don't want that. Like I don't even speak that language, so I'm just assuming that those people are the German people. Because why would there be other German people here? It's so dumb. Uh, <laughs> But yes, I I want to believe that I will have uh, enjoyed this room, even though it's not our room. <laughs> uh, there are only two of us, so I don't have to sleep in the galley kitchen. I can just you know sleep on the couch and and loom large in, mm -hmm. in, in that room and be messy. <laughs> but let's just try to keep the common space neat. Let us, yeah, we, because. Because we, I think we will have a guest at, our, at staying at our suite next time, Ariel, when we talk about oh, episode two. Oh, no, I totally forgot. This is the moment where like there's a knock on the door, and then I have like thirty seconds to clean and throw yes. all this stuff like under the table. Even though you could probably see under the table, but it just makes me feel better that it's like somewhat hidden. Um, but yeah, we have a guest. I don't know. Did we write it down? Do we know? Let me take a look here. I'm very organized. So I have, I keep track of all the stuff. Next week, when we talk about episode two, we will be joined by none other than the great Rob Sesternino. Wow. I did not agree to that, but I will, <laughs> but I'm cool with it. I'm cool. <laughs> Look, he's already booked. I'm sorry. He's Ariel. here. We he's booked him in the suite. Like, I don't know what to tell you. He has the room so next door. We're very excited to have Rob join us next week. Uh, but in the meantime, Ariel, where can the good people find you? Uh, the people can find me being super sleepy. I am just uh, I, uh, a, a newly rising from my U.S. Open tennis slumber. Oh. And I am now back on Twitter. My uh, handle is at that other Ariel. We will be tweeting about all these episodes as they release. Uh, you can also catch me on the Post Show Recaps patron Discord, mm -hmm. which is a place that you only have access to if you're a patron. That's right. The special you're word. You're a VIP. If you're a VIP, don't you want the VIP treatment? Mm -hmm. Don't you want to feel vague? And and stay in a place that if makes you, you feel special. If you're a special baby child of PSR, then we let you join the Post Show Recaps Patreon uh, Discord. Get, yes, and you get like ad-free podcasts, and you get merch store discounts. You get patron-only pods, including mm -hmm. a Doctor Who rewatch. Who even Ooh. knew that that was a thing? Uh, so that's super exciting. It's still the the beginning of the month. It's a great time to join if you care about supporting the arts. If you at all can, if it is in your means to do. So so not all of us are Tanya. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think it's it's something you should uh, you should consider. But otherwise, I am also covering movies with friend of every pod, Grace Leader. Uh, we cover movies every week on Pusher Recaps Theater. And uh, I think I think that's everything. What about you, Dr. A? Um, well, you know, I'm just uh, on Twitter at Dr. Amanda R, uh, tweeting out thoughts, observations, and any updates on what I'll be doing. So the best way to keep up with any guest appearances I might have is by following me there. Um, and um, yeah, and until next week, I guess all I have to say, Ariel, is uh, 
is bon voyage is that what we're saying on this podcast mahalo no what's mahalo. the one where, no what's the one that's hello and goodbye uh bonjour oh. no it's hawaii aloha aloha thank aloha. you aloha aloha uh, ah. judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy <laughs> The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire. Huh? Ah. Oh. Sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right, ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered ChumbaCasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, Mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa. Take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.